Welcome to KJB 4142 FM AM, whatever. Welcome back to the Side by Side Guys Off-Road Podcast. I'm Big Z, and today I'm joined by a special guest all the way from Hurricane, Utah. Uh, I've been uh, fortunate enough to go visit there a couple times. Being a Northwest boy, we don't get to go out in the rocks in the desert very much, but... Uh, the last couple of years, I've been able to go down to Hurricane for UTV Takeover and experience some of the natural wonders down there. It's an amazing place. You've heard of us. You heard Ian and I talk about this uh, on the podcast a number of times about how awesome uh, the environment to ride is down there. Uh, a lot of the unique features of sand and rock crawling and, and just the general vibe down there is pretty awesome. So um, today we got a special guest. We have Casey Lofthouse from Casey's Off-Road Recovery. How are you doing, bud? Good. Glad to be here today, Zach. So Casey's Off-Road Recovery is your business. It's something that you do day in, day out, pretty much nonstop. You get phone calls all the time for people that have gone out into the rocks, the sand, the beaches, the whatevers, and uh, uh, at Sand Hollow, uh, and additional areas all around the area. And uh, they call you because they get stuck and they can't get out. Kind of give us a description of, <laughs> of who you are, where you're at, uh, what you do with Casey's Off-Road Recovery. Okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, so we run Casey's off-road recovery here in Hurricane, Utah, and this has really turned into a mecca of off-road, uh, recreation, a matter of fact, tourism of all types. And so we, we see the gamut from the stuck Prius down a, you know, 20 miles down a dirt road to the side by sides and the Jeeps. And, you know, we, we've been very blessed in life to be able to go out and help people doing what we love. Um, it's just amazing the opportunities we have for motorized recreation in Southern Utah. And we love for the big events, um, UTV takeover. I was so excited when you guys decided to make uh, Hurricane Utah one of your home bases for the event and have been excited about being involved with that every year. And so we, we do recoveries, I mean, all types from airplanes to boats to Side you even sides. recovered a, a dozer last uh, last year at Takeover. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that that kind of stuff happens when you're out there with those big <laughs> toys and that liquefaction dirt. It 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 gets a little hairy, scary. So we've we've had a lot of fun and and just do all kinds of different types of recoveries. So you guys actually have a whole fleet of different recovery vehicles to kind of help you in all the different various situations you have. Uh, but kind of give us a, a rundown of what you see day to day out there in Hurricane. Um, you know, the Sand Hollow is is a great place. It's got lots of riding areas and different trails. And obviously, you got to have some special kind of unique knowledge of the area and how that works and the best ways to approach different recoveries and, and challenges. Uh, and there's some areas outside of uh, Sand Hollow State Park. Um, kind of give us a rundown of, of what you see day to day, where you're going, and what kind of terrain you're having to work in. So... For example, today, my my morning call this morning was for a couple with their three kids uh, touring southern Utah. They had a little uh, SUV, but it was only front-wheel drive. So they had a tent trailer that they'd been dragging around all over the place. And they went down into the Babylon Mills area, which is kind of a sandy dirt road. And there's nowhere to turn around, so they just got mired in the sand. And so kind of what my job, for just for an example for today, was... They had unhooked their trailer, so I pulled their car out, and they went and found a spot to turn around. Then I hooked up their tent trailer to my Jeep Cherokee and went and found a spot to turn out and got them back to the pavement. And so 
the majority of my calls are just those types of calls. They're they're straightforward. They're basic. Um, but then you get into like a side by side that's gone off a 500 foot cliff, and <laughs> thankfully they had a voodoo cage in it, and they survived. You know, and so um, I I think the biggest aspect of my job is um, I do just a ton of just quick little easy pullouts, and but I'm also set up for the long the long haul with the big the big rigs. Um, I've got a a Jeep Cherokee, a Suzuki Samurai, uh, two military five-ton trucks that we use out to the UTV takeover. I've got what they call a Nodwell, which is a track vehicle, and it's it's kind of like out of this world stuff. It's those are one of the cars pounds. that I've always like dreamt of. Like I just want to go mob one of those things in in uh-huh. some off-road environments because they just look like so much fun. They they're a lot of fun, and so that part of my job is I call it a job, but really I'm just goofing off all day, you know, and, getting paid um, to have fun. That's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun to meet new people. Uh, it's just the ball to just find out where people are from and what, what brought them to Southern Utah. And it's just, it's just an amazing opportunity to be meeting people from all walks of the world, you know, all walks of life and just go help them when they're in, in a bind. Something I've noticed is, you know, being down there the couple times that I have and, and seeing you working out there is you pretty much always have a smile on your face. You're always enjoying yeah. the process, <laughs> right? Like a lot of us get stuck at, out on the trail or whatever. We break something or we get stuck or, or the mud or, or whatever the case is. And it becomes this like, you know, the wife's nagging you to get out of the out of the rut or whatever. The kids are crying like you ran out of like sodas for the kids. You ran out of snacks or something. So it's kind of like a an annoying situation that you have to put up with and, and, and get out of. Uh, but it seems like for you and your, your crew, you're always out there with a smile, just enjoying the opportunity to, to inter- participate and, and help people and, you know, be the guy that, that helped people get out of that situation. Yeah. And thankful for, thankfully for me, I've been blessed to be able to do what I love. Um, it, I mean, every job has its days and it's just, it, for me, it's just, I love, I'm very passionate about the off-road sport. I'm, I'm very passionate about, um, just promoting motorized recreation, um, responsible recreation, safe and sane recoveries. I mean, all those things I'm very passionate about. So when I'm able to go out there and help people that are in a bad situation and, and I'll show up on scene and the last thing they want is a grumpy recovery guy. They don't want a guy that, is just going to make the wife feel worse or the kids feel bad or, or the dog's going to go hide. And the guy so, that had just as bad of a day as you did. <laughs> yeah, correct. And so when I show up on scene, I don't want to show up and make fun of somebody. I don't want to show up and make matters worse or make them feel worse. And so a lot of, a lot of my demeanor when I show up is to, to tell them hello and how's things going. Do you need anything? Um, you know, this isn't a big deal. Don't worry about it. This is all part of the adventure. When you go out and recreate motorized, um, you see the guys that roll their side-by-sides and they've got a lot of money invested in and they are completely creamed. And there's two types of people. There's the type of people that's going to take that and they're going to say, "Woo, that was a rush. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad everybody's okay. We can replace that machine. And then there are those guys that will let that moment define them. And it's like everything in life is is you just take that moment and you just take it by the hand and just walk with it and say, this is part of the deal. We were out here having a good time. We're going to get stuck. We're going to break down. We're going to roll. And I want to be the guy that shows up with the knowledge and the capability to get you out of that situation and make you feel good. 
that it's all part of the game. It's all part of the, you know, having fun and going out there and recreating. One of the conversations that I frequently have with, you know, uh, various people in our industry is that it is about the experience. It is about the memories. It is about the smells and the sights and the feels and the, the different ways that you can experience life through outdoor recreation. And that's what draws a lot of people to these areas where like specifically like hurricane where, you know, sand hollow and, and all those different areas surrounding there um, are so scenic and so beautiful. And they have such a dynamic nature to them from morning to afternoon to, you know, dusk. And not only is it a beautiful place to experience, but just the opportunities for you to adventure in different ways to experience the dirt and the rocks and the sand in different ways. You can do it in a car, you can do it in a truck, you can do it in a side by side, you can do it hiking, you can do it on your bike. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the draws we have in off-road, specifically in UTVs. Uh, you know, my, my niche of community is very specific to UTVs and, that's what draws us, right? Like we're not buying, I mean, some of us buy fully enclosed HVAC cars, but yeah. <laughs> most of us are, are buying these open cage experiences where we're connecting with the outdoors in the experiences that we're doing. And, you know, that's what draws us into it. And then what keeps us there is the community is those people that we're connecting with the people that we're riding with the people that are, you know, they broke down and we helped them and, or we broke down and they helped us or, you know, meeting people like you on, on the trail where you kind of are our last option where we had to reach out to somebody outside of the area we're in. Um, there's, you know, how many times have we seen on Facebook groups and things like that where someone's posted, Hey, stuck out here in the middle of nowhere, I need somebody to come help bring me an axle or, or help me get out of this hole or, or whatever. And, you know, three or four or five people are like, yeah, we're about 10 minutes out. Like, just tell us, give us a pin where you're at or whatever. Um, but I think that experience of combining that outdoor recreation with, you know, these personalities and people and the willingness to help and all that, it, it creates such a, a viable community for the long term that you make lifelong friends out here on the trail and, and, and in these situations where you feel like, you know, it sucks to be in that situation, but at the same time, you now have really funny memories to talk about. You have yeah. really cool people that you've met. You have, you know, new knowledge. Like when you show up on the trail and you have a new way of recovering that they didn't even think about or a product that makes things safer or, you know, just various different situations like that. You grow so much in those, in those opportunities. Um, and I think that's, you know, like we went to, um, when we went down to Vegas for, uh, the Mint 400, you know, we broke down on the side of the road because we sheared three lug knots off the car we were driving mm -hmm. up, up in the middle of the mountains. And it was starting to snow and get cold and nasty. And, you know, we had to t call a tow truck driver to come get the car to take it back <laughs> in. It was an all day ordeal to get back home. And and ultimately it was a, it was a, a long scenario even after that. But um, but the tow truck driver showed up. He wasn't prepared. He didn't have, you know. We told him it was an all-wheel drive car. We told him we were going to need a dolly for the car, right? And he shows up without the dolly. And then there was another hour waiting to get his boss to bring the dollies up. Like When somebody's prepared and they have a good attitude, your experience is so much better and you learn so much more than you ever would have of just getting pulled out of the hole and, and moving on. Yeah, correct. And you hit a really interesting topic there, especially for me. Um, I've been involved in the off-road community in Southern Utah for 25 years, and I've been married for 25 of those same years. And me and my wife have had an absolute ball on the trails of Southern Utah. And the, the ticket right there is the people that you meet 
and the associations that you have, the opportunities that I have had because of off-road recreation and the the family that we've created in, in the off-road community, we we really are a community, and you can count on the best people in the world to help you in all situations. And you know, most of the side-by-side guys and a lot of the Jeep guys and people that are out there doing this a lot, they have as much experience as I do recovering vehicles because they've just done it for years. But there's always those times when people get in over their heads. And I've even been in recovery situations where I'll, I'll call my buddy Lloyd um, at adrenaline off-road recovery here, another local company and say, Lloyd, I need some help. Um, And thankfully for me, I had the opportunity early on to do search and rescue in Washington County as well. And so that taught me a lot of valuable lessons about, uh, the responsibility that you have as a rescue or recovery guy to do a safe, sane recovery and not complex the situation. Don't, don't take any unnecessary risks, um, those types of things. But Southern Utah has been an amazing place for me to live, um, to grow my, my business, my, myself, my personal, my family. Um, and a lot of that stems back to my involvement in the off-road community and the people that I meet and the all the different types of outdoor recreation that we've been able to do as a family and a group of friends is unmatched anywhere. I mean, I, I feel very spoiled and blessed to live right here in Southern Utah, to run a business. And when new people come to town, there's nothing better to me to be able to take them out and show them an area that they haven't seen, point them in the right direction, uh, just take them if that's what it takes. Um, but I just love Southern Utah. I love sharing it with other people's, but at the same time, I'm a local and it growing pains, you know, with, <laughs> with the, it, it changes the dynamics of things because places that you used to be able to go and be alone, never see another soul. It's just busy. Yeah. Um, and so that's where another part of the aspect of it is, the responsible use of public lands and responsible recreation. When you're here visiting, uh, living here as a local, we have a, a responsibility to make sure that as we're loving this area to death, that we take care of it on the way. And and that's another important aspect of the motorized recreation here. Yeah. I want to get back to that. We've talked before on the podcast about responsible, you know, recreating in these in these areas especially with mm-hmm. some of the sensitive nature of moab and all these different things going on in in that area you know we up in the northwest still have mountain trails that we go on and, and forest roads and, and all these different places that we go that we still need to all in all different types of topography and areas of the country that we ride and around the world that we we need to be responsible but let's get back to that i want to dive in a little bit you were talking about your your washington county recovery efforts Tell us a little bit about Casey before Casey's Off-Road and Washington County and how he got into that and then, you know, how that progressed. So it's kind of an interesting thing is early on in my marriage, I bought a Suzuki Samurai. And so I always joked with people that there's a, two types of people in the off-road industry as far as like the jeeping community is there's the people that know about Samurais and the people that are ignorant about Samurais. So you always know the guy that's never been on the trail with a Suzuki Samurai because he's the one back there doing this. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's running his mouth. And when you get up there on the trails or in the mud or the snow and you school them and you show them what the capabilities of a Samurai are, 
they're they're the original side by side in my opinion because they were so right. long. I mean, they're side by sides that are bigger than the the samurais now. <laughs> and so we used to get out there on the trails with the little Suzuki samurai that my wife had bought me, and we souped it up, and, you know, long arm kits and dual rate coilovers, and we we built our su- Suzuki that was you know you'd be proud of to say I'm a Suzuki man. Um, and so we had a lot of fun in that over the years and it just kind of evolved into, well, Casey's out there, just, just holler at Casey. He's on the sand dunes or he's, he can do this or he can do that. And so it kind of evolved into, I was doing it for fun for a lot of years. I wasn't charging anyone and it just kept getting busier and busier and busier. And I, I kind of enlisted the help of a couple friends and that kind of went a different direction and they're doing their own thing. And then um, I'm kind of just, you know, Casey's off-road recovery just evolved because of the need for, you know, a recovery service. People always wanted to pay a little bit to help. And I was more than willing to do it for free. I mean, I've been blessed in life enough to have that opportunity to go help people uh, in that fashion. And just being involved with the local clubs like the Desert Roads and Trails Society, the Utah Four-Wheel Drive Association, uh, Utah Public Land Alliance, and and those organizations, it just kind of evolved into that business uh, where people needed professional help, uh, somebody that they knew that wasn't going to come out and just complex the problem or get somebody hurt or do reckless recoveries, which is one of my biggest pet peeves. Um, people standing on winch cables, uh, chains. I mean, there's all a whole gamut of stuff. So I thought that I could approach it in the manner of a professional recovery service that's still just a good good old boy good hometown feel um and just go out there and get the job done and so that evolved over the years into casey's off-road recovery and i've i've increased my capabilities because of how busy it is uh, we also do on-road towing and we have a shop and so we, we we're running several different directions but overall we we have been very blessed to be able to evolve into a recovery service for, for people that are recreating. And a lot of that, I was kind of driven through search and rescue because while I was on search and rescue, we would recover the people, but we wouldn't recover the vehicles officially. Right. And, and so there was always times where people needed their vehicles pulled out and it was nothing simple, but because of the County's policy with not competing with, uh, local enterprise and, and businesses with the public taxpayer dollars, we'd like, you know, look over our shoulder and say, all right, we'll pull you out real quick. And then we got to get down the road because we're not really supposed to do this. And so that kind of evolved into, we'd do the search and rescue call. We help get the people out. And then I, I just grab a couple search and rescue guys and we just go pull them out and we wouldn't charge anything. So we did that for years. And and after I got off search and rescue after several years, it was an amazing opportunity, by the way, if you ever get the chance uh, to do any of that type of stuff and you're experienced and you have the, the knowledge and the common sense to do search and rescue, I challenge you to step up and, and help your local search and rescue team because it is really an amazing experience. Especially with these guys teaches. with these cars, right? These UTVs that are built, you know, strong, tough, well with good components and good capabilities and, and you have your spare parts and you have the tools all on the car. You can actually provide a lot of value to a search and rescue effort where, you, you know, a government agency or somebody <laughs> like that, you know, has to go through a, a whole lot of red tape to get somewhere and do something. 
or like in areas where they would be like, well, the only option is a helicopter versus you being able to crawl over, you know, a mile of rocks or whatever to get somebody. Um, you can provide a lot of value and effort uh, that would be reduced on the on the resource side uh, in those efforts. And and to those people that need rescuing, you actually provide a lot of value as well because, you know, they're getting stuck with that bill, right? Like they're getting stuck. If, some, if someone has to fly a helicopter out to pull you out of a hole, you know, that's not going to be a cheap weekend for you. Like nope. it's going to be a rough follow up on that. So, you know, if you are one of those guys that has the benefit of free time and, and, and the resources of these, these big cars, and you have the ability to live in some of these places where people do get abandoned and stuck and things like that, and you can just pop out your garage and go help. It's kind of like, it's kind of like volunteer firefighting up here in the Northwest for us, right? Like if you have the ability and the skill set and the physical ability to do so, you become an invaluable resource to your community without even knowing that you are like we rely so much on some of these volunteers and some of these groups that work together with our government agencies um, that people don't really get recognized for a lot of that work. Yeah. And it, it is a, and most of the type of people that are willing to serve under search and rescue and do those types of volunteer things, they don't want the recognition. And so I would challenge everybody that's got the capabilities and the knowledge and common sense to, to be involved with their local uh, search and rescue or, any any of the type of civic uh, public groups that that have to do with that, I would challenge each of you to get involved with that and and do your part to kind of help, you know, bring those rescue situations to a, a quicker close. And and it's it's an amazing opportunity if you if you ever have that, it, it's it's top notch to be involved in search and rescue. So talking about some of these situations, a lot of this comes down to education, right? Like we're talking about situations where, um, you know, a family with their car in a, in a pull behind trailer or something getting stuck out in the sand or whatever is more of a naivety situation where they just went out there. They're told that there's a trail they can go down and camp and do come back the next day or whatever. Um, and so that's an inexperienced factor that creates the situations. There's other situations where, you know, you have a stock OEM UTV or, or whatever, and you go out and try to play big, big time with the big boys, right. <laughs> with the, the $90,000 cars. Um, and you just can't, your, your equipment's not set up to maintain that aggressive style. Right. And then you get, you get stuck or broken down or whatever. Yeah. Then you have the guys that are like pushing the limits of their cars. They're pushing the limits of their skill set. They're pushing the limits of the adrenaline rush. Right. Like there's the guys that are, are, they're capable, they're equipped, they're, they're really out there to push the limits and test themselves and their cars and, and all that stuff. Um, what do you see more of and what kind of the, are some of the differences between those recoveries um, out in the field and, and what kind of lessons can we learn from those? So I think the important aspect of outdoor motorized recreation, doesn't matter what you're driving, is stay within your skill set. If if you're out there and you're on the sand dunes and you're not familiar with the sand dunes, just slow down a notch. There's certain times, if you're not familiar with sand dunes, you don't understand that there's certain times of the day that you just don't want to be out there because you can't, the way the lighting is, you can't see the drop-offs, you can't see the holes, you, you hit the razorbacks. And so stay within your skill set and your knowledge, I think would avoid a lot of accidents and deaths in motorized recreation. I, I do see speed is a big factor and, and and as disappointing as it might sound to a lot of the guys in the side by side and motorized community i see a lot of alcohol consumption yeah 
that leads up to an accident. And and I don't I don't have a problem with drinking. Personally, I don't drink, but it it clouds people's judgment. And when you're impaired and you're driving impaired, I see the majority of my accidents stem from impaired driving. And thankfully, we don't see a lot of deaths as much as you know we used to with the quality of cages and aftermarket accessories av- available. So when you get out there, it doesn't matter the situation. When when you're pushing your limits and you're going fast, speed's always going to be a big critical thing on your maneuverability. If you hit a rock and it pitches you and rolls you sideways and different things, um, end over end is they hurt. If you've never been in an end over end like the rest of us, they hurt. And so just slow it down a notch and just st- try to stay within your skill set. And if you're if you're feeling the push and you're feeling the rush and you're getting all amped up. It's time to just find a, find a shady spot, take a break, shoot the bowl for a minute, take take five or 10 minutes is the difference between eating it and not eating it. You know, right. you know how you get and you get amped and you're pushing the limits. You just take five minutes to just take a break, take a breath, and then go hit it again. And that'll I think that'll really help avoid a lot of accidents. And Yeah, especially now when we have the ability to go buy such capable cars and such high horsepower cars. Um, And then a lot of guys now have the ability through, you know, whatever financing they have to to really get in deep in some of these cars with upgrades and and some of these things. Um, You know, we've talked before about how the financing option of this has really kind of helped grow a lot of this industry. And these guys come out with, you know, let's just say a four seat, you know, razor turbo, whatever has a Evo upgrade here, has big tire that there and, and all this other stuff. Uh, and so it's easy to have that like twilight period and then quickly transition into, I can do anything. And that mindset is so dangerous in the off-road world because you, you think you can do anything. You, you lose sight of other people. You lose sight of natural unknowns you lose sight of some of that stuff and then like you said when you put some impairment on top of that not only is it drinking it's also some of the recreational drug use and stuff like that that happens that every single one of those angles impairs your ability to react whether that be able to react quickly accurately in time you know before something happens after something happens um it, it it, you know, up here in the Northwest, there's a, there's a big 530 club, right? There's the guys that really aren't to go out to go fast. They're not really out to do anything crazy. They just want to go out and, and have a good time with their buddies and, and chill in the forest, right? Or, and I'm sorry, and you guys have that out on the trails or up in the rocks or, or whatever. Um, but we should be really reserving that for camp. We shouldn't be reserving that for the trail and, and the, and the, in movement sessions that we have. So I, I really want to call that out as, as a personal person, I don't, I don't consume any of those things as well because I never want that impaired judgment in myself. Cause I feel like I would go too far with it. And, yeah. and I think that we all have to have a little bit of self-control, not only in some of that stuff, but also just how we drive, right? Like we have to understand that there are limitations. There's physics that no matter how much skill we have, we can never change physics. It's always going to take you down the mountain if you're not careful, right? And yeah. uh, especially with out with the rocks, right? Where you guys are, where there's lots of rock crawling, there's lots of steep angles, there's lots of off camber, there's lots of, you know, tire compound needs that if you don't have the right compound, you're not going to make it up, right? Like there's air pressure, things like that. Right. Um, 
you know, if you're just in the moment and you're just trying to push limits and show off to your buddies and like be one of the guys um, or gals uh, that you you really can lose sight of better judgment. And I think that uh, even the new people all the way to the fully experienced, even the, the fully experienced guys, a lot of times can be more dangerous, right? They think they know exactly what to do, how to do it. And they don't leave room for error, right? They don't leave room for the unknown. Um, so there's a lot of that, that we just, as a community, I feel like, you know, we, we sometimes lose sight of the ability to step back, take a breath, maybe bring some reality back into the situation and, uh, make a, a better call on, on our choices. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, I mean, talking about it, it's not to sit and nanny somebody or babysit or tell people what they right. should or shouldn't do, but it's, it's kind of a general guideline to just kind of remind people, you know, there, there are all kinds of groups that would love to shut down motorized recreation and they can use the irresponsible user as a perfect example of why they shouldn't be allowed. Um, you, you mentioned Moab and it's, it's, it's just a disaster in certain places where these groups get together and want to ban side-by-sides and Jeeps and motorized recreation. And I think as a user group, I see this wedge between side-by-sides and Jeeps and motorcycles, and and they have this little infighting amongst themselves. But let, let's get real. We're, a, we're an off-road community. It doesn't matter what we're recreating in. You're a target for the environmentalists to shut it down. And the way that is accomplished is by using examples of recklessness, accidents, uh, alcohol and drug consumption. All of those types of things will play into their game plan of shutting off motorized recreation. So step back when you're riding through town and instead of riding like a jackass, take a deep breath and say, "Okay, I'm going through a residential neighborhood here that lives close proximity to a motorized recreation area. I didn't realize that 25 other side-by-sides have gone by this weekend right. and I went bombing by, by here. And so after a, a certain time of these residents and these individuals that have been putting up with vehicles, Jeeps, it doesn't matter what it is, rolling by their house, going to this motorized recreation area, they get sick and tired of it. And so when you're on the surface streets, when you're going to and from the trail, when you're in town, when you're, you know, in Utah, we can drive them pretty well right down the highway. Just remember that you're being watched. There's people yeah. that are paying attention to what we as a motorized recreation uh, family is doing and community is doing. And so, like you say, the safety acts, I don't want to lecture everybody on what they can and can't do, but just pay attention to your, you know, your exposure and how you're, how you are uh, portraying the off-road community. I think it's an important aspect. I uh, have talked before to various guests on the show about you know sponsorships and how as an ambassador for that brand you are always looked at as that brand right like you as soon as you're associated with that brand you become the representative for that brand even though they may have just given you stickers for your car or whatever like as long as (laughs) as long as you're associated you are now an ambassador and so whatever you do is associated with that brand and that's exactly what happens with our off-road community right as soon as you become a participant in the community and the external community sees you being a participant in that community it could literally just be the fact that you have oversized tires on your truck like as soon as you have that connection, like you become an ambassador and then Correct. you become the, 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 what's the saying? Um, the, the, the biggest impact is the last one made or whatever. Like, yeah. the, like <laughs> the community, the people that are making votes, the people that are making decisions, the people that are making laws, 
like the last thing that they're going to see is the biggest one that stuck out the last time they remember. Right. And if it's the last one that they saw was the guy with, you know, a $50,000 audio system in his car, you know, $5,000 in LED whips and and lighting and and ground effects. And then he's bombing down the street, a residential at 50 miles an hour at one o'clock in the morning, you know, pushing out 120 decibels of, of sub through people's houses you know, like that's going to become our representation of the community. And so we've talked before about getting on each other to be respectful and to do that things. And, and one of the things that's happening that I didn't realize until I went to uh, hurricane last year was even between the previous year and last year, there's been a lot of growth in that area around San, oh, yeah. around San hollow. There's a lot more residential going up. There's a lot more Airbnb. There's a lot more like just, growth right and it's encroaching onto the boundaries of those recreational areas and i didn't know this but there was uh uh, you guys have a um excuse me you guys have a noise ordinance at certain at a certain time eight o'clock ten o'clock something like that where it can't be over a certain noise threshold and you got to start shutting things down and so a lot of us like to go out at night a lot of us like to go you know up to the lookouts for sunset and then all of a sudden you know, the sun goes down and starts getting cold. We all want to go back home or to camp. And then all of a sudden we have to be quiet and slow. And it's like, nobody wants that. Right. Like the kids are crying, yeah. the wife's freezing and everybody just wants to get their get to where they're going or what they're doing. We have to understand that that growth is because we're there, right? Like that Correct. growth is because people want to be there and we can't screw it up for everybody. Like we can't be just mad that they're growing into our area and they can't be mad that we're going into their area. Like we have a have to have a mutual respect for each other in all sorts of growth. Like even up here in the Northwest, we have one of the biggest growth booms in our area, especially specific, specifically North Idaho, which has traditionally been kind of open no, no man's land. Like you just go buy 20 oh. acres and retire type area. And now they're building 7,500 unit developments and all this other stuff right in the middle of nowhere. So we can't be the ones causing the problems, the representatives that show the bad side of it. We need to be the representatives that show that we're proactive, that we're working and that we're, we're trying to make this better for everybody because we all love it so much. Well, and that, that is the truth. Uh, mutual respect between different user groups, uh, communities. I think it's a very important thing to be an ambassador. And it, it's the same thing with friendships and businesses. You're, you're judged by who you associate with. And as part of the off-road community, I think we have an amazing community. Uh, we're from all walks of life, and I think that we really need to stick together and make sure that we're being respectful of people that are, aren't, aren't into motorized recreation and the noise and the impacts that we have on their day-to-day lives and their homes and in these areas where we recreate. And and that's another interesting thing you brought up is as we're growing as a community, as the houses encroach upon the recreation areas and you're, and you're trying to find the balance between it. It's important that all of these manufacturers and all of the uh, aftermarket companies and the groups that we really stick together and address all the land use issues and the access issues and we, that we promote that responsible use of public lands. We, we just have to stick together and make sure that we're protecting our right to use this uh, public land and, and promote it and protect it. And I think that, you know, Polaris, all of them ought to really step up and, and start work and continue yeah. to work. Uh, 
Yeah, and there's, there's sure different trail groups access. that we can participate in, right? Like a lot of us don't really associate with trail riding groups or clubs or things like that. We're kind of more of just us and our buddies yeah. or our family or whatever going out on the weekends. But it's kind of important to to not sit back and be complacent with what we have because as soon as we're complacent, we're going to start to get it eroded away from us. And we've Correct. seen that in Moab. We've seen that in California. We're seeing that in a lot of these places where traditionally there's been decades of land use and decades of uh, motorized recreation in these areas. And as these areas become more and more popular, you know, if we're not proactive in these situations where like if we talk about some of the, the land use rights that we've lost over the years, a lot of it's not because somebody screwed something up. It's because somebody else wanted that land for their, for their use. And, and it was the complacency of the off-road community to not, one, pay attention, two, to not be vocal, and three, to not act when they needed to act. And so if we as an off-road community, like you were saying with brands and people that have resources, and, and whether that be monetary, whether that be skill sets, whether that be just people in general having the ability to go do something, um, you know, it's important for us as a community that's growing to support these initiatives in a proactive way where it's not saying uh we really want to keep that we don't want to lose it to your initiative it's more of hey we want to make this better and we want to make it better for you and us and this is how we think we can do that nobody knows these land use issues and these riding areas better than the off-roaders right like the the people behind the desk downtown at the city hall and all that stuff they understand that it's out there they don't really understand they don't experience it they don't have the connection that we have to it and they don't know all the angles that we know and so when we look at you know, losing some of their access rights or, or maybe, you know, when we start getting speed zones implemented uh, to classes of cars, or if we start getting different rules just because we're different, you know, those are the dangerous areas, right? As soon as those yeah. laws go into an act, then it becomes just a slippery trail of just one after another losing rights. And it takes a whole community of educated and willing ambassadors to step out to our, our legislators and to our city governments and things like that to be proactive and say, hey, we, we, we know that there's this thing happening in our area. We want to be a part of the solution, not somebody Correct. that's arguing for it to keep it the way it was. Yeah, and believe it or not, if, if there hadn't been a, a few key people and a few key organizations and events that started happening in, in southern Utah, we would have lost Sand Hollow and the Hurricane Sand Dunes area where you guys have the UTV takeover. It would have been lost to development, to special interest groups. And and we have fought hard nonstop for 25 years to preserve what we have for motorized recreation at Sand Hollow. This isn't a new fight, right? This and, is this is a continuing fight. Oh, no, it 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 definitely is not a new fight, but we would have lost it had we not as an off-road community, had we not been engaged, highly engaged and motivated to protect it, we would have lost all of Sand Hollow or the majority of it. And so a huge shout out to the people that have been involved in the off-road community. Doesn't matter if it's here or anywhere else in promoting responsible use of public lands, protecting our right to access and being an ambassador for the motorized sport. It's it's a huge thing. It's It's bigger than you know. So yeah, that's a great topic. I really glad you brought that up. Yeah, we've we've talked with other people from you know Utah UTV and, and Bud and, and some other guys involved in the yeah. areas up there, and 
and how important it is to be a part of the solution, not a reactor, not a re, not an angry mob when something happens, right? Correct. Like, uh, and, and it's a fine balance, right? If you bring too much attention to it, then you just start pulling in all the crazy people that want to shut you down. And if you don't say anything at all, then nothing ever, you know, then we start losing things. But it, what it really comes down to is the community being willing to act, being willing to send that email, make that phone call, you know, show up to that city council meeting, you know, and not be in an angry mindset to be in a positive mindset, right? Like when you show up for a recovery, you're not showing up angry. You're not showing up frustrated that you have to do it. Well, hold on. That's not always true. <laughs> <laughs> and trust me, when you go to some of these meetings, it's definitely very difficult to keep a level head. It but, is. Um, but that's, but that's the point, right? Like, if we can show up with a, the positivity side of it and we can come up with solutions and we're not sitting there fiddling our fingers trying to figure out how to make this all work, if we're being positive and proactive and we show up to a meeting with a solution, you know, if we say, hey, you're trying to shovel us into this one area, that's not going to work because X, Y, and Z, here's the numbers to back it up. Here's a better solution. Yeah. We can do it this way and it's not going to cost you any more money or it's going to cost you less money or maybe it's going to cost you more money, but we'll pay for it. Like there's ways to do that kind of conversation with the local governments to maintain these things. And if we don't do it as a community, if we try to push it off to the one guy that's vocal on the Facebook group, or if we try to push it off on yep. to, you know, that one company that has, you know, has a sticker on their window or, or whatever, like, <laughs> like we're not going to get anywhere. We're only going to no. go backwards. Well, and, and that's it. You got to understand that there will always be compromise when it comes to, these types of issues. And so being willing to go through and, and find the compromise, find the middle ground, each, each group or whatever can live with the, what they've come up with. There's, there's always going to be a compromise. So I think that's an important aspect of it. It's like you say, keep the communication open. Uh, but at UTV Utah and that Facebook group, they do an amazing job. They're a huge ambassador for the sport in Utah. Um, any any group like that is just an amazing asset and they're great ambassadors for the sport so let's get uh, a little bit off the serious topic and have a little bit more fun uh so you said you have a number of vehicles that you you take out and, and i've seen you know various situations based off social media of where you've been you know called to and and different types of weather and, and all this stuff what are what are some of your favorite moments with some of those big big rescues oh you know i I think some of my best rescues and the funnest ones that I have are ones that I'm not expecting at all. Uh, we had a call on Colob and I took my Jeep Cherokee up there and it's snowing like crazy. It's about 33 minutes to the north and it's, it's high elevation. So we get right out of this beautiful Southern Utah sun and we're in the mountains and we're in the snow and we better be prepared. And people catch themselves unprepared up there all the time because they're, oh, we're in Southern Utah, you know, but <laughs> get a little elevation and a little Northern hemisphere exposure and away you go. But we get up there and, um, you'll go do the job you was called to go do. And then you think, all right, it's about three miles to the reservoir. I'm going to run up around Colob reservoir and make sure there's no other vehicles stuck in the snow up there because it's a, it's a winter road closure, but people drive past the sign and then they get stuck. And so, you get up there and you run into somebody that's been there for three days. <laughs> Holy cow. And, and you're like, they don't know you, but they are so happy to see another person <laughs> and they give you a big old hug and they, you know, and it's just funny to see. Um, we had a couple that were 
that just funny because the people are impaired that, you know, they're not, they took some sleep medication cause they just wanted to get some sleep that <laughs> night, you know? And so they're slurring their speech and they're just, you know, they're just having fun. And, um, we, we have some funny recoveries. People just get in the goofiest places. I, I, I just can't even, I see a Toyota Prius on the Tokerville falls road for you guys that have ever been up there <laughs> and no kidding your oil pans missing, and, but I don't show up on Wait, scene. Priuses I, don't have oil. Come on. Yeah, sure. They don't. Well, this one didn't, <laughs> but you show up and you're, you're seriously, that's when you're trying to be a professional and you're just, you're just sitting there going, what in the world were you thinking? And you load them up on a trailer and you haul them out of there. And, um, I mean, we do some crazy stuff. We, I don't know how many of the uh, listeners and viewers know that I, uh, actually have a lot of mules and horses and mules. And so there's been a few times where we've take horses and mules out and shown up on a, on scene. And the people look at us like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, it's serious. It's like, 10 minutes from the house. It's so much faster for me to just hook on the front of this thing with this team of mules and pull you to the top of that sand chute down in the river bottoms. And so we do that sometimes just to give people a good <laughs> gaff. And, um, it, we've just had a, such a variety of just, we, we had one guy took his dad's Cadillac, daddy's Cadillac, uh, and he drove it up the river, like a quarter mile in, in uh, Mesquite, Nevada. And I show up and he's got water running over his headlights. <laughs> and of course I had to bring my big tracked vehicle, which is called a Nodwell. And I was pretty intimidated because the river was about 60 feet wide and it was about a quarter mile to where he was at. And it was basically a rolling sand bar so that the, right. the sand is moving with the water. And I was intimidated. So I figured what I'm going to do, I'm going to pull up behind him. And I'm going to make him get his feet wet Yeah. and <laughs> he's going to hook the rope up and then I'm just going to put it in reverse and drag him backwards. Well, of course the vehicle won't run. It's just dead weight. Yeah. And it's, a, I mean, Cadillac Escalade, they're no, it's not a Prius. <laughs> they're heavy. Yeah. So I was completely intimidated. I got up there and just started backing up and it just brought that thing out of there and the relief I had when I realized, okay, I got out. I don't have to call for reinforcements from the Illinois National Guard or anybody to get my <laughs> Nodwell out that it's stuck. But yeah, who, there's who always, do you call when you get stuck? <laughs> well, trust me, after doing search and rescue for so long and being involved in the off-road community, I I've got a little black book of people that I know 100% that I can count <laughs> on, that I can trust, and they'll show up and they'll uh, they'll help me get out of a situation, but. Yeah, if uh, if I ever get that Nodwell stuck, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I think it's interesting. You have uh, a YouTube page where you've done a lot of content uh, of these recoveries, um, and you've got a pretty good following there. I think you're over fifty thousand followers now on on YouTube. Um, but you have tons of of videos of of crazy, you know, adventures that you go on with with recoveries and things like that. Um, what uh what what made you to start going into these youtube things and and some of that social stuff well that was kind of uh quite by accident i've had a youtube channel for quite a few years and i had a friend that uh wanted to start a youtube channel and he did his his thing and kind of that that went to hell in a handbasket and we went our own direction but 
we uh, we started uploading those videos and people just enjoy them. And, you know, one thing you'll always know about my YouTube channel is what you see on that YouTube channel is who I am. Um, I'm going to be the same person on camera as I am off camera. And that that was my mo only motivation to really do a YouTube channel is to just portray what I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And I probably only film about a tenth of what I do because it takes a lot of effort to post it up. But the rewards that come from sharing that lifestyle and the, the I call it my blessed life because I really am very blessed in what I've been able to do. Uh, I get to share what I do um, in a in a true and real format of this is the reality of my day-to-day -day life and what I get to do for work. I don't dive into a lot of the personal aspects of my life on my YouTube channel just because it's not my thing. Um, I don't want to sell products. I don't want to sell shirts. I just want to give people the opportunity to see how I'm living my life. Um, and it's the rewarding part of that is I don't care about the monetary aspect of it. Uh, I don't care about any of that stuff, but the emails and the phone calls I get from these old timers, I, I mean, it doesn't matter. Vietnam veterans, uh, just, just guys that can't get out and about anymore that used to love going on a, a Jeep trip, whatever, back in the day. And people that are just, it doesn't disabled. And it's just amazing the gratitude that they have for me um, and thanking me for taking the time to, to put out there what I'm doing without no fluff, without no stuff. I'm not a flashy guy. You'll never see a, me driving a hundred thousand dollar fancy Jeep or, you know, polished. You're, you can polish a turd. It's still going to be a turd. And I'm, <laughs> so the YouTube thing has really been a lot of fun. Um, cause people just can't believe that I'm out doing what I'm doing and that people drive their vehicles in those places that, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of fun to just show people just the huge aspect of off-road recreation and recovery and just post it up there on the YouTube and social media. We're, we're really having a lot of fun with it. I think it goes back to that aspect of the, the memories and the stories that we generate on these trips, the things that we do, the, the, the failures that we have, the, the, mm -hmm. you know, the, just the hype that we get around some of these, these adventures we go on. And a lot of people live in these very concrete and pavement driven lives that they don't, they one don't know that you can go out there and do some of this stuff. There's other guys Correct. that know that you can, but like you said, can't, they can't get out of what they're involved in or, or their limitations. Uh, but then there's just the other part of it. Like you have a YouTube channel, you have a YouTube following, you have lots of great content, but you're not a quote unquote YouTuber, right? Like this is not, something that you're trying to generate the most hits and the most views and the most, you know, whatever you're basically just saying, my life is full of these experiences and these stories that I have enjoyed right. that make me smile, that make me think back, that bring up fond memories of just various different situations. And these are all the stories that like I, I tell everybody all the time the, that car club culture where you, we used to be in the garage. We used to be talking yeah. about stuff around drinks or a, a bonfire or, you know, whatever. This is a kind of that new version of that. And when you can find people that are just literally, I experienced this, I think you should watch, I think you would enjoy watching what I experienced. I think people really latch on to that. Yeah. And that's, that's the realism of what I'm doing. Um, I, I get so much pressure from like producers and 
studio guys and film editors and big YouTubers and stuff. They're like, we need to take this to the next level. I'm like, I have no interest in taking it to the next level. I enjoy the lifestyle that I live. I enjoy the privacy that I have. Um, I, I mean, I enjoy being able to, to go to work and do what I love to do um, without all the pressures of being somebody I'm not. Uh, you're never going to hear me start saying, oh, buy a Casey's off-road shirt. You know, I, I just, it's not my You thing. can it's buy not... a Casey's off-road shirt at caseysoffroadrecovery.com, just so you know. <laughs> see? see, but see Zach, on the other hand, see, he's a good promoter and he could take this and run with it, but it's never been in my nature to be like a self-promoter, to you know, that kind of stuff. And so it's kind of funny how people are like, well, you're shying from the limelight. I'm like, I'm not really shying from the limelight. I, I want to maintain who I am and what I'm doing and be able to still stay committed to all of my customers and the community that I've been involved with so highly over all these years. And I really don't have a plan to change anything, but it is a lot of fun to watch the channel grow. Uh, like you said, 50,000, that's, that's nothing to cough at, you know, I mean, that's a pretty good following of people and I'm definitely not a YouTuber. I'm, I'm a, I'm just a good old hurricane boy that <laughs> has a lot of fun. And I, I've been very blessed to do what I love and, and, and it's, it's a, it's a great opportunity to be able to use social media, to be able to use YouTube and those types of things to share the opportunities that we, as I mean, just the off-road community, myself in general, all of the different things that I get to do. I mean, horse riding, off-road recreation, hiking, just anything that I want to share on my YouTube channel. We go on big wagon trips where we hook up the mules. We're gone for like five days. I love to share those types of opportunities with people. And that social media and YouTube's given me the platform to, to share it in a, in a real format. And it's just, it's just a lot of fun to just put it out there. And if people watch it, great. If they don't, you know, oh, well, right. but I, I love being able to just get out of bed and go do what I love uh, being involved with the events. Um, some of the best videos I have are from the UTV takeover. I can't lie. <laughs> people absolutely love that event. Yeah. And, and they love seeing the five ton out there pulling out a motorhome and they, the nod well, and we get the big, uh, dozers, you know, we yep. have what we have last year, three big dozers on yeah. the beach. And so it's, people have never seen anything like it. And I am, I'm just sad that everybody can't have as much fun as we do. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely that that experience that people just don't understand unless it's it's just the first time you go like on a UTV or something. It's like you 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 may poo poo the the whole thing until you ride in it one time, and then you're yep. like, oh, all right, yeah, I get I'm it. With you. <laughs> so oh, I think it's gets in your blood for sure. Uh, yeah, it was pretty much instant for me back in when I when I got into it. Um, but just to really quick wrap up the YouTube thing. I get all I I get all asked all the time by people about wanting to start YouTube channels and and start promoting like a a brand that they're trying to build on YouTube and things like that. Um, and I I want to I want to connect that idea back to that ambassador thing. When you know if you want to build a YouTube presence, do it for all. Go have Absolutely. fun and have a great time doing it. But while you're doing it, please understand that you are an ambassador for the off road community. And if you're out there trying to do the craziest, wildest, most reckless stuff just to get views and hits and likes and shares and all that stuff, what you're doing is negatively impacting our community. And so please, if you are trying to do a YouTube channel or if you're trying to create a social presence around you know, your personality or whatever you're doing, just take, keep that in mind that 
we can all have a great time. We can all have a good social community. We can do all of that without screwing it all up. And so please, uh, anyone that's listening that I've talked to in the past or, or has DM'd me <laughs> about starting a YouTube channel, take some advice from Casey and just have a good time doing what you would love doing. People will latch on to it. It may take longer than you know you want it to or whatever. You, you might not get a thousand followers the first month or whatever. Just have fun. Be authentic and have a great time being out, enjoying the nature, natural resources that we have, these new technologies in the cars. Like, Just have a good time. Make the content you want. Um, just don't push the value of what we do under the likes and the follows and all that stuff. So yeah, and I would. I'm the same. I concur. If you uh, if you want to start a YouTube channel, just go out and do it. There's so many resources out there to, if you don't know a lot about it, to teach you about the social media, the algorithms. If you're going to chase the algorithm, which I don't, I just I put out what I do. That's it. I don't I don't manipulate videos to catch the algorithm. There's but there's so much to a YouTube channel that I had to learn just. I jumped in and learned it and it's a lot of fun. So if you do want to start a YouTube channel, it's just like any other thing in your life. Just take it and run with it, make a plan, go get it done. Just enjoy it. And you'll see as it, as you portray uh, your videos and what you're doing and having fun with it and promoting your channel and those types of things, it will grow. You'll find a following of other side-by-side -side users or, or whatever target uh, audience you're chasing. Just get out there and go do it and have, just have fun with it. Just enjoy it until it, I mean, until it turns into a real business or something, don't, don't have so much pressure on it, but just go out and get it started and just have fun with it. Absolutely. And, and so behind you there, I've noticed you had a couple uh, links back there. Let's talk about recovery a little bit that people can might, um, take away from this episode, uh, being somebody that's in the field every day, recovering people. I mean, we're what we recorded this at 10 o'clock in the morning and you were already out on a call rescuing a family. Um, you know, work never stops. Recovery never stops. Safety is always top of mind. Um, what are some of the core concepts that we can approach recovery with? And then what are some of the tools that maybe we should all as an industry, as a community that we should all consider carrying in our cars, whether that be a Jeep, whether that be a UTV, um, and what can we, how do we, how do we process our, our plan going out into these areas? What should we be thinking about? Well, first and foremost, safety is the top priority in any recovery. And that, that is over filming, um, looky-loos, the time it takes to do the recovery. All that is taking a back row to your responsibility as a recovery person, whether it's being paid to do it as a professional or whether you're helping a friend. Your number one priority is safety. If you get into a recovery, it's just like if you're in your side-by-side -side and you're starting to get amped up. The recovery is a lot the same way. If you are questioning anything or things aren't going well for you during a recovery, that's where you need to stop, take a breath, have a drink, eat some food, do whatever you need to do. It's not a race. Never be in a big hurry to get a recovery done. It doesn't matter. Um I like to recover during the daytime. So if it's night and you, if you feel like your recovery efforts are going to be hindered because it's dark, then you leave the machine there and you figure something else out. And those are some important aspects of it. But number one and always 
Safety is the responsibility. If a machine has been wrecked, everybody's okay. Don't get somebody hurt recovering the vehicle. You know, that would be asinine to, to, to <laughs> screw it up at that point. And so as you're getting out there, it's not if you're going to get in an accident. It's not if you're going to break down. It is when and where. Yep. And so in your vehicle, you need to make sure what I, I, I call it trunk junk. <laughs> you better have some food and water. Yep. You better have some recovery supplies if you've got a winch on your machine and know how to use it. Go get yourself stuck somewhere and practice winching yourself out. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, just make sure you have a tow strap, have just a basic set of tools that will fit your machine. I don't know about the spare gas topic because I, I think it's, you know how it is. You see <laughs> things burning up when there's spare gas on the top. So make sure that you've, you don't want a recovery 70 miles out on the Arizona strip being out of gas, you know, so kind of plan your trips ahead, plan out where you're going. I think an important aspect of it is having your safety and welfare supplies, food and water, uh, warmth, those types of things in your machines. It, it's a huge thing to be comfortable while you're being miserable. Yeah. Kind of. A thing. That reminded me of a, a situation that I had in Oregon um, on the dunes uh we were out doing a group ride where we were just tearing up the the dunes hitting the hitting the top lips where you know it's just black on the other side and you know all that kind of adrenaline pushing stuff and we started going down some of these sand trails up and through the the grasses and stuff like that and all of a sudden you know we we just took the wrong turn like you know in in the middle of the night sometimes elevation pitch doesn't really translate well uh, and so we ended up going something way too steep that we shouldn't have been going up with the wrong tires, the wrong setup, all that, uh, and started getting sucked down into a hole that was, you know, full of vegetation. Uh, but it was 20 feet down. Like that hole was like, if you go down yeah. there, like you're calling Casey or somebody, cause you're just not going to get out of it on <laughs> your own. And, you know, we got to a point where it was like everything we tried just got us further and further to that edge. And it was night, it was dark, it was like probably 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And it became a situation where it was like, no matter what we do, we're risking something. Whether that be the car, whether that be a person, whether that be tools and resources or whatever, something's going to get sacrificed. And so we made the decision, we're leaving the car, we're taking the keys, we're disconnecting the battery. Like, we're just going to place the car there we're in a spot no one else is going to go like no one's going to come get this car so you know and we came back in the morning with the proper resources the proper cars and winches and whatever yeah. and we're able to rec now the car was half buried in sand from the wind but we were able to dig it out and get it out, get of, it out, out. of the situation in daylight where we knew what we were dealing with and yeah, that uh, was a that was a perfect decision to make yeah it was it was pretty sketchy and it was more sketchy in some aspects, less sketchy in other aspects once you're in the daylight, but you don't know that unless you can see it, right? And you can get the, the perspective. All of this is about perspective, right? So, you know, when you're going out on these trips and 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 you, you hit something uh, that I've been championed for a long time, which was, you know, get yourself stuck and practice getting out. Uh, I've said for a long time, people getting new into UTVs, we have a lot of new people in UTV this year, this last couple of years with the, the pandemic and the purchasing that's been happening and um, you know, I've always said, get familiar with the car. Don't get out of low gear for the first couple rides. Like, you know, yeah, get on the gas a couple times just to experience yeah. it, but stay in, stay in a comfortable place where you can get to know the car 
you know, take your belt off and put it back on in the garage, like learn your car, learn your tools, learn your methods. You know, when it comes to recovery, a lot of people don't take time to check their winch, to pull it all the way out, to, you know, test that the, there's a battery connectivity to your winch that it actually yeah. works like to make sure that your winch <laughs> cable doesn't pull out because the guy at the factory didn't put the pin in it. Like there's things like that, that you just, you won't expect unless you try it and you have to know how to use your tools um, when you're out getting stuck and when you're in these adventures and it, it, even in the, the silliest of situations, you can get stuck or you can get broke. You can, you can go out just saying, I'm going to be just doing a flat trail ride up to this thing, coming back. There's times where just things happen, unplanned, unexpected things happen. And whether that be a flat tire, whether that be a blown belt, whether that be sharing lug nuts off of your wheel, like there's just, there's things that happen that you don't expect and you should be able to understand how your car is going to react in that situation, how to approach fixing it. There's no perfect like tutorial that teaches you how to recover your car (laughs) in every situation, right? You have to experience yes. some sort of failure at some point to understand how to do it. And it's better if you can plan that, <laughs> you can plan that failure ahead of time. But as we get out on the rocks, as we get out in the sand, as we go on the trails, what are some of the pieces of equipment that pretty much everybody should be taking with them outside of, you know, a wrench? Yeah. Um, so real quick on you, you kind of bounced on the, you were out alone by your guys self. If you can, there's always safety in numbers. So that's if if you don't have somebody to go willing with, I guess risk versus reward, but just plan on plan on the expect the unexpected and know that if you're out there willing by yourself, you might be making that phone call if your phone works and walking back or whatever yeah. the case might be. So just expect the unexpected and be prepared to to do it. If I you're always tell people along. a friend behind you, in front of you, whatever is a tool, is an asset. And you should never go into an off-road situation where you can't walk back somewhere without, you know, that friend. Like, you should always approach going off-road with the idea that you should have numbers somehow. Whether that be physically next to you, whether that be within phone call reach, whether that be within radio reach. You should always have somebody that knows where you're going, somebody that knows where you're going to start and end. Correct. And how you're going to get there and where, what generally speaking, where you're going to be. And, and a lot of us, you know, we take for granted our cell phones. We take for granted our, our day-to-day connectivity that we have. And a lot of times in off-road, you still have connectivity, but a lot of times you don't. And it's usually where you yeah. break down. So uh, when you talk about food and water and all that stuff, sometimes that's more important because that's what's going to help you get to the top of the hill where you have reception. Or that's going to help you maintain the family while you're out getting resources to come back and rescue or, or whatever the case may be. Um, some of the things that, you know, I think everybody should be carrying with them is some sort of way of towing, whether that be you getting out or you helping somebody else out, whether that be a tow strap or a wrench or something, there has to be something on your car, yeah. uh, and a way to connect it to a car. A lot of people don't understand that there's not always a clip point for a hook, right? Like yeah, behind correct. you, you have some, you have some closed loop shackles behind you, uh, closed that that way of connecting to a car is so important and i think probably five or six times i've ran across somebody that wasn't able to rescue or get rescued because there was no way to connect to them they always think well these are off-road cars there's places all over the place you can connect to but that's (laughs) just just not the case what what kind of perspective do you have on that so yeah it definitely you want to have a good tow rope uh the soft shackles actually work really well i i've been uh, lucky enough to be working with a company called Factor 55, and they make uh, 
recovery stuff, uh, soft shackles and recovery, kinetic recovery ropes. And so if you check out any of the off-road uh, recovery supply companies, you you should at least have yourself a, sh- a soft shackle and at least a 20-foot, three-quarter inch uh, kinetic recovery rope. So two soft shackles, I guess I should point out. And that'll give you something if you do have a situation where you're stuck and you just need popped out really quick. Those kinetic recovery works work ropes work really good for that uh you could also have a a 20 foot toe strap i don't like the big long 30 footers unless you double them up because it seems like 30 foot on a side by side is just too far away on the sand dunes or somewhere and so i like about the 20 foot uh recovery rope i i don't really think that you need a shovel those types of things but something to change your belt with unless you're driving one of those stinking hondas (laughs) <laughs> you know, that, that's the argument that'll never end honda versus a belt drive machine but it, or, that's or the yamaha guys that think they can get yeah. in and out of anything that's right so just just keep those uh supplies communication as uh zach touched on is very important there's so many good pro programs out there they have they have the spot which is a great communication device where yep. you can pre-program messages in there and there's there's any number of those types of communication devices if you're a ham radio guy you could have a handheld radio and know what the ham radio repeaters are in the area um so communication is pretty important if you can try to um you know plan for the worst expect the unexpected uh, keep those supplies in your machine keep the tools in the machine Another handy thing to have that I see uh, guys need a lot of is those little miniature jump boxes. Oh, those yeah. little electrical jump boxes, they work really good if you get in a situation where you've got a battery that's failed or you shut your machine off and it doesn't restart with those absorbed glass mat batteries. They'll just be fine one minute and gone the next. Yeah, there's uh, so, a lot of times where we've killed batteries with winches trying to recover yeah. And Correct. you finally get out of the hole or, or halfway out of the hole and you don't have enough battery to finish the job or to get home. And so yeah. having those jump batteries is kind of nice to get the car going again, get that stator charging again, get the car up to a point where it can it can operate one more time. Um, or what I like you were saying about communication is with those things being charged, they almost all have USB jacks on them. And so, Correct. you know, if you've been on social media all day, posting pictures of jumping and, and all this <laughs> other stuff, and then you spend all night out in the rocks trying to recover a car, your battery is probably going to end up getting close to dying. And yep. so having it there for a backup, either for your car or your cell phone, or some of them have the converters for, for charging radios and things like that, like c- your, your ability to get somewhere, get out of somewhere and communicate with somebody if you can't is so important. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when you go out with a big group of people and you're going on like a long haul and you you have a lot of the machines that are similar in design or make or whatever, those batteries are easy enough to pack. They're not that big. So yep. one person in your group of 60 rigs could carry a spare battery. And then if not, they've also got the jump backs, jump packs that have an actual battery in them to where I've seen guys take and clamp the, the jump box right on the battery of the machine and be able to drive it 60, 70 miles back to where they need to get to. And so right. those those types of things and being able to uh, kind of self-recover and get yourself off the trail because you were prepared, there's nothing worse than just saying, oh, I'm going to run up to the top of the hurricane sand dunes real quick. You go do a burn and you get up there and you're on top and you burn a belt up. You don't have a belt. You don't have anything to change it with. 
And guess what? You don't have a bottle of water and it's like 105. <laughs> well, within an hour of sitting there waiting, you're one miserable puppy. Yeah. And so just the little things take just a few minutes before you get ready to go. Um, you know, get the supplies in your vehicles that you think you're going to need. I mean, even right down to clothing and rain gear, those types of things when you're going on these bigger trips, but at a bare minimum, no matter what, have your, your health and safety, welfare, water, food type of things, uh, and a jacket in your side by side at all times. It never leaves no matter what. And make sure you're not out there stuck without water or something. <laughs> it, it is, I mean, I've been there, trust me. I've, I've been out on search and rescue calls where there was a lot of guys on the mountain. It was hot. We went through all of our water and we were praying like heck that we could get communication out to the helicopter to bring us more water. You don't have that when you're out in a side beside just recreating. So keep those supplies in, keep your communication lines open, uh, get out there and enjoy yourselves. Be careful. Um, just learn some self-recovery techniques and Zach really hit it good. Uh, when he brought up the fact that you need to learn your machine before you go out there and just let your hair down. And yeah. And I think that, you know, you are in recovery and, and so, you know, the importance of knowing how to connect with recovery, like, you know, knowing where you're at and what your resources are to, if crap hits the fan, how to get somebody to help you. It's so important, right? Like if you talk to guys that do, you know, mountain hiking or, or, you know, camping or hunting and stuff like that, some of the first things they say is know how to connect with someone. It, it doesn't matter that you Correct. have the radio or that you have the cell phone coverage. If you don't have a way to identify and connect with the people that matter, like you're going to be stuck in the mud no matter where you're at. So knowing who your forest service connection point is, knowing who your recovery options are, knowing, you know, how far out you are, like from these things that, that could save your life. Um, there's been a few stories that I've, I've had with people where, you know, well, I've worked with a person before that was literally up in the mountains. You, you do a number of different snowmobile stuff and snow cat stuff on, oh, your, yeah. on your YouTube channel yeah. where people are up in the mountains, right? And they have to know ways to communicate with each other with the radio systems. They have to have a way to identify where they're at with GPS and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, even with all those tools, you know, I've talked with people that have gone up in the mountains, got their legs stuck in the track, you know, lost half their leg because their machine wouldn't turn off. And well-experienced people, well-resourced people, they still have to call in air rescue. They still have to call in, you know, some way to get that rescue situation mitigated. And you have to know what those are before you go out. You can't just assume, well, I'm close-ish to civilization. I'll be fine. If you don't yep. know who to call or how to get a hold of those people, if you can't call them. Well, and I, I've, I've been in a situation a few times where we anticipated good communications, but the reality of good communications is when you're out there on a recovery, you're on your own. You, you, in the, in the greater scheme of things, there's always those times where the communication is going to fail and break down. And so that's why it's important to have that, those, uh, just be prepared. I, I yeah. have been in situations where I have literally been thinking, what am I doing here? If you ever have that, <laughs> it's, time to, <laughs> it's time to get the heck out of there. But it, it, it is, it's important to know like the lay, if you don't really know an area and you're going to go ride there for several days, it, it's not a bad idea to look at the maps and just get a good 
idea of the lay of the land and the resources available and just kind of how things lay out and get to know the the area a little bit more. Um, that's something that times... I've talked, sorry to interrupt. There, that's something that's super important that people don't realize. In my In my previous adventures, one of the most important things I've ever had in situations like that was a tracker on my map system to tell me where I came from. Like you're saying, look at the map so you kind of know the terrain and what's around you. A lot of times that doesn't tell you what you can and can't ride on, right? Especially out in places like Hurricane or Moab, places where you can kind of go any direction you want. Um, but some of the most important things I've ever had were were where I came from because I know exactly that I can trust that route in some sort of capacity or not trust that route in some sort of capacity. And especially like when we were out in hurricane last year, there was so many routes where it was like, Oh, we're good to go down this yeah. way. <laughs> and then we ended up in a hole or we ended up blocked by a shelf or, you know, something, or oh, I can get back up that dune. And then you realize, Oh, hurricane sand is like glass. You can't necessarily do that without horsepower. Like there's situations where you assume you're going to be fine. And, and having a way backwards is sometimes more beneficial yeah. than knowing which way forward. And I, I use a tracker called Onyx Hunt, and they have uh, another program called Onyx Trail, and they're really good. And when I get out in a situation, I, I normally, if I'm in an area that I'm not familiar with, which is going to be a long ways from Washington County, because I've pretty well been everywhere in the county. But if I get out in an area and I'm not familiar with out by Pioch or Ely or down by Mesquite, I'll turn that tracker on and let it track me the whole time. And the reason I do that, even if I don't think I'm going to need it, if something comes up, something happens to me, whatever the case might be, we'll have a track of a known route that we can use to get out of there. And there's been a few times where you get out, get a recovery done. You think you know where you're going. You get heading back and everything looks the same in the dark. <laughs> I swear and that so, mountain was the one I went yeah, around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that those tracking programs on your phone and and on your GPSs are are amazing. Even a lot of the machines have them now. So it's really important if you're out there in an unfamiliar area, just turn that tracker on. It's not going to hurt anything to lay down tracks, and that'll that'll give you a pretty good indication of where you're, you know, where you can go to get back. And it just makes it makes it a lot better. But I always try to go on when I'm on a known or on a recovery, and I'm not so sure about things. I always return on the known track right? if I'm not familiar with the area. Especially if you're at night. Like when I was saying we yep. were on these trails in the middle of the night, um, we did some some adventures across Washington State where we had to do some emergency long night runs where we had to get back overnight. And having a tracker of where we've been the, the two or three days beforehand, being able to recall that and know that okay, yeah, the map says that there's this big sweeping turn here on the side of the mountain. Well, it's not a big sweeping turn. It's like a right-hand 90-degree turn. <laughs> I can't take that at 40 miles an hour. Like, Correct. that knowledge can save you when it's most important, so. Yeah, and we've we've had a few machines go off those big, you know, <laughs> the road will just go forever, and yeah. all of a sudden it'll just make a 90-degree turn, and it's, you know, 500 feet down to the bottom, and they tumble all the way to the bottom, and... uh so yeah, I think that's an important aspect of it as well, for sure. So uh, this has already gone for almost an hour and a half. We've had a good time talking. Uh, it's always good to see your face. You, you always like yeah, to smile and likewise. have a good time. Uh, this is uh, We're just starting to get into event season for out in Hurricane and, and out in the desert and stuff like that. We're starting to see things pick up. Uh, what are some of the things you're looking forward to uh, this year? Um, I look forward to all the events, UTV takeover. I just love it. Just 
the people that I've met there, I think I've been involved with it every year since you guys have been in Hurricane, and that's a, a real privilege for me to be involved in that big of an event and be your off, official off-road recovery guy. That's that's an honor. Um, we look forward to all the Jeep events and stuff coming up, and you know the the big weekends too. I love to get out with my family is a huge priority for me to go out and enjoy our. I was going to ask and, you, what do you do for? I mean, <laughs> you're having to be in the stuff all the time. What do you do for to, to relax? Well, I, I do the same thing as I do for work, but I also, like I said, I, I hit on uh, the mules and horses is just a great outlet for me. It's it's part of my heritage. It's, heritage, it's part of who I am. Um, I love promoting the heritage of Utah and, uh, you know, kind of where we came from, our pioneer roots. I, I have a huge passion for that. So we get out and we take mule and pack trips into the Uinta Mountains, uh, the local Pine Valley Mountains. We just try to just get the kids and the family out on a regular basis doing outdoor recreation. Doesn't matter whether it's motorized or not. Um, I touch base on the wagon trains and the mules. We, we go hook up an old school, uh, pioneer wagon and go for a four or five day camping trip and those types of things. But we like to take the toy hauler out and the four wheelers and just go out South of hurricane and camp for, you know, over the Memorial day weekend or go to Cedar mountain. There's just lots of area at high elevation during the summer. Those are, I mean, we love to just get out and do basically what we're doing for, for work, for play. Yeah. Well, if you, if you can find a way to make money doing what you love, then you should do it. Right. Amen to that. <laughs> so, uh, you have, we mentioned that you have a YouTube channel. You also have your website and all those things. Where can we find you online? How can we connect with you and how can we connect with you if we get stuck out in American? <laughs> well, I'm pretty easy to find online. If you look up Casey's com. I also have a YouTube channel, Casey's Off-Road Recovery. Um, I'm on Instagram as well as Facebook. So there's a couple platforms that I'm familiar with. I haven't had to learn new turf. So we're on there. If you guys want hats and logos and all that jargon stuff that I told you I'm terrible at promoting, <laughs> I I have that listed on our, our website as well as on the bottom of our YouTube channel on the spring tees. You're able to get t-shirts and that kind of stuff off of there if we are stuck out and, and what what's the best way to get a hold of you so the best way to get a hold of me is i have a direct dispatch line that's listed on my website and on my google listing is if your communication is working out you can get on and do a search for casey's off-road recovery and hurricane utah we cover quite a large area and we have our direct dispatch line listed there on our google listing and our website Awesome. So, uh, look forward to seeing you out there doing your thing. You've already obviously doing it. It never stops summer, winter, fall, spring. It just never stops out there. And, uh, it gets a little sketchy in the winter. Get some, <laughs> get some slick ice up there on those, on those rocks. Um, for sure. And, uh, look forward to, uh, seeing you some more content on YouTube. It's always fun to see some of the weird stuff you come up on. Um, yeah. and even some of the basic stuff, like <laughs> it's just the people that are entertaining. So, yeah, for sure. Um, so we'll uh we look forward to that, seeing all that content. We look forward to seeing you out there on the on the rocks and the dirt. And uh if you want to get a hold of him, uh he is available. I do you guys have oper- operating hours or do you have somebody 24/7? Um you're usually able to reach somebody 24/7 um which is part of the part of the deal. We we <laughs> we're not always available 24/7, but we will either be on another call but normally we'll we'll answer the phone or if uh, if not, you can always leave us a message because, like I say, when we're out doing recovery, we may not have good cell phone service and it may not patch through to the uh, backup dispatcher. So 
whenever you're out there and need to get a hold of us, you can leave us a message. Um, we usually will get back with you pretty quick. And like I say, I have a lot of fun doing what I love. I, I really appreciate Zach and the side by side guys opportunity to get on here and, you know, kind of tell you about my passion for the sport and what I get to do for a living. And it's, it's just a great honor and privilege to be able to share with you on my YouTube channel and, and, kind of the blessed life that I live. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, we can't uh, thank you enough for coming on, showing some of your knowledge and experience. Uh, the best thing that we can all do is to go prepared and to go with knowledge. And uh, a lot of times we don't learn that unless we have a friend that can pull us out of the <laughs> hole. So uh, look forward to uh, this season. And uh, until the next time, guys, peace. <laughs>